Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the You Can Do It Too podcast by Mamba Inspire. I am Mamadou Balde, I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to both showcase black excellence and increase awareness of the multitude of career possibilities out there for up-and-coming black professionals. This podcast will assist in breaking stigmas, barriers, and helping black students believe that they are smart enough to be future doctors, engineers, educators, and entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, what an amazing day to be alive. Please welcome Dr. Claire Johnson. This is the second Dr. Johnson we had in our podcast. She's a physician in internal medicine at Whittier Health Center in Boston. So all the way in Boston, she was born in Port-au-Prince in Haiti and moved to the U.S. with her grandmother at the age of eight. She went to college at Brown University and then she did her medical school and residency at Boston School of Medicine, amazing medical school. She has been practicing medicine for more than 10 years now. How's your day so far? Is it so Sunday? Far, so good. Yes, yeah, Sunday is a good day. It's a, rest, a day of rest. <laughs> definitely, definitely. How is everything going with family uh, in, in these times where everything is uncertain, hard times? Uh, it's coming along, you know, we, we go with the flow, right? Um, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, we're just on, on unprecedented times. And so we just have to really go with the flow as things go, but so far all is well. Thank you. Definitely. Everybody's safe. Everybody is safe. Time. Yes. Thank God for that. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. It, did it start being cold in Boston? I know it gets cold. Well, yeah, hot. yeah. This morning it was like 48 degrees. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's getting there. It's getting there, but you know, it's just a, a strange kind of fall season. It gets cold and it gets warm and next, you know, maybe next week we'll have a couple of, you know, 60 degree wet, you know, weather. So, and it, it usually warms up by the, by the afternoon or so it's, it's all good. It's, you know, definitely, definitely. part of having all these seasons have to deal with it. Amazing. So, so you you are you are a physician. You work uh, in internal medicine uh, in Boston. Yes. What does your job consist of uh, right now? Well, I'm a primary care doctor, um, and I work at a community health center. Um, and so, um, you know, my job really has to do with you know taking care of adult patients, um, anywhere from you know 18 to um, till death, <laughs> whenever that will be, you know, um, till elderly. So I really see a, 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 a big range of, of patients um, and I take care of a variety, um, uh, you know, of medical issues from asthma, diabetes, high blood pressure, mainly chronic illnesses and some acute illnesses. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. Did your day-to-day -day change because of the COVID-19? Well, yeah, it did change, um, you know, um, especially around when, when the pandemic first, you know, started for us around March, um, you know, we, we did a lot of televisits basically. And, and so, um, you know, we, you know, and, and in, our, in our community, um, you know, what was different is not everybody has access to a computer or may have, you know, um, 
a smartphone and so we did a lot of phone calls as well and some people you know they may not have the the you know the understanding of even if they have it how to work it may not be comfortable with it for whatever reasons whether you know language barrier cultural issues educational issues whatever it may be so so for us really our whole way of practice changed a lot um we're just now over the past i would say month or so um really incorporating more of the um the day-to-day -day visits and so actually at this point we're seeing more uh in-person visits as opposed to uh, telehealth um, but it's still a hybrid model and you know we're flexible enough where you know as the uh, season changes you know and and you know flu season starts um you know we're kind of aware that you know this may change and we may have to go more televisit depending on what happens with the pandemic so it really you know it's really forced us to be uh, flexible <laughs> in a way definitely. we really never had to be you know definitely that's what i was wondering because i hear many people especially companies uh who realize that it's possible to have to be effective and have meetings virtually Right. right, but I know that's gonna be very difficult to have for in medicine oh, yeah. because everybody don't have the same uh, technology, right? And some people yeah. may not benefit from that. Yes, yes, most definitely. And and I think this really, you know, highlights it, especially you know in communities of color or communities where you know access is 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 not there. You know, there's limited access. Um, you know, so. You know, so it really, I think one thing the pandemic has shown is that, you know, it, you know, the, the communities of color are, are affected differently. We already know that, you know, epidemiologically, but really it's even access to, to you know, the Zoom and the, the computers and, and Wi-Fi, you know, and, and so forth. So that's been challenging, um, but definitely making it work. Definitely, you know. definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for, uh, for for really being out there and helping the community as much as we can. I know uh, people, we do not thank people like you enough uh, who spend your time really trying to help people in the communities through these times, these hard times. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it takes a village as they say, so everybody has to do their part. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Definitely. So going back to your childhood, so you grew up in, uh, you you were born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, right? And mm -hmm. uh, that's where you uh, spent your life until you were eight years old before you moved to the United States. Correct. Do you remember? Do you remember that time in Haiti? In Haiti? Oh yeah, I do. Um, you know, I grew up in in a single family home, sing, well, single parent home, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. um, but definitely in in a you know the household, you know, it was also multi generational, so. You know, myself, my brother, there's my mom, there's my grandmother, my aunt, you know, so it was very, you know, um, you know, just a multi-generational family. And so um, when I was around two, um, my mom moved to the States, you know, you know, the, the you know, to, for a better life, basically, for the rest of mm -hmm. us. And so, um, so from the age of two to eight, it was my grandmother who was, you know, my caretaker, um, and uh so it it so you know i remember that um it was strange because you know while my mom was a teacher my grandmother didn't 
finished school, you know, my grandmother, you know, probably left school when she was 12. And so, um, yeah. And so it really, you know, in terms of education, it was, it was a challenge because I remember mom was like, okay, you have to do well because, you know, for her, you know, she always, you know, really prioritized education, but, um, you know, my grandmother wasn't necessarily able to help me as much. Um, so I remember, um, oh, I can't remember, there was a point where I was failing something and my mom was like, what, you're failing? Oh, we're gonna get you a tutor because this is ridiculous. And <laughs> and, one, and it's amazing, I once, once that happened, it didn't take long, then I kind of took off, you know, I just, you know, need a little extra help. But, you know, it was definitely very different than, than in the US, you know, very different. Definitely, definitely. We talked about uh, education, the importance of education in our communities, which is very similar uh, in, in Haiti and in African countries and many other uh, countries, is that education is definitely a big thing. And uh, uh, what, what kind of atmosphere, how hard did your grandmother push you? I know you just mentioned uh, getting, getting a tutor when you started failing, but mm-hmm. how hard did they push you to really be successful, the best out of the best among your peers? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it was ingrained, you know, where, you know, in, in the Haitian community, really, you know, we really value, you know, okay, you're going to be a doctor, you know, or a lawyer or an engineer. Those are the things you're going to do. And, and so there is definitely that push. And, and, and really the, you know, I remember, you know, being told that, you know, this was your, you know, education was your ticket out, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, or, or your way of advancement, you know, um, you know, where, okay, if you didn't have money or you didn't have connections or whatever, or you didn't look a certain way, then, you know, education really was your tool. So, and that's Definitely. what it was, a tool. Definitely. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I said it was a tool and it continues to be a tool, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Talking about those three big things, engineering, uh, lawyers and medicine. So as we talked about earlier, that's definitely uh, the three big things that many uh, in in many countries, uh, parents put in their kids' head. But when exactly did you uh, realize that medicine was the path for you? You know, I think that once I moved to the States, um, you know, that's when I started to think more about that. Um, You know, once I moved, as I said, I moved here with my grandmother and, you know, she, you know, didn't speak any English. um, And I kind of became the person who took her to a doctor's appointments. Um, And we went to, you know, a community health center. and so, you know, every appointment she had, I was, I was there. I was the interpreter, I, you know, and even after, you know, she had a, a, a Haitian physician, I remember I still accompanied her because, you know, just to help her, um, you know, navigate through, uh, um, you know, public transportation and so forth and, and everything. So, so, you know, I think as I sat there in her appointments, I started to get, you know, very... I don't know, I just get very inspired by this physician um, working in the community. Uh, wow. And I saw the importance of it, uh, the importance of what she's doing um, in terms of just having how important, I guess I saw how important it is to have somebody who looks like yourself, you know, 
uh, as a patient when you go into a doctor's office, how important that is. And, and even, you know, yes, we know we have translators and so forth, but it's just an added bonus, really. I mm -hmm. see when you have somebody who's from the same country or who speaks the same language, who understands the culture and who can connect with you in a different way. Um, and so, you know, so that started to inspire me. Um, and I said, oh, you know, I think I want to do just, you know, what my grandmother's doctors do. That's this is what I want to do. Um, and so that kind of stayed with me. And, you know, as I got to be, I think in high school, um, I think I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to be a candy striper, which I don't even know if they have that now, but it's basically a, you know, volunteer in the in the hospitals yeah. and you know you I definitely looked that up after my study yesterday <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because I was telling my daughter who was you know was 22 she's like mom you gotta explain what that is <laughs> nobody knows what Andy Striper is <laughs> this podcast is about showcasing black professionals who are doing excellent things but what is the definition of black excellence taking what you have and making the best of it can achieve things when literally like the whole entire system is designed like in ways that are like is designed to exclude us. It doesn't matter what you start out with, it matters where you go. And then when you go, you're not going just for you. You're going to lead the way for someone else. It means excelling at a high level while staying true to yourself and true to yourself in your black we still are able to, you know, just like go the extra mile or, you know, carry the extra weight that we need to carry just because of society and still achieve the things that we're able to achieve. And paying it forward. That's my definition of black excellence. You said exposure. Exposure is definitely a big thing. So. I Talking to everybody that I talk to through this podcast, one thing that I realize is exposure guide them to where they are, right? Yeah. Many people talk about uh, following your passion, but I feel like uh, what you are exposed from when you were little, mm -hmm. like at a younger age, definitely determine the kind of thing that you are passionate about, the kind of thing that you like. Sure. Right? And I feel like nowadays, so many uh, young younger students, uh, especially in... Uh, Poor, poor communities do not have that kind of exposure, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and that's that's key. Definitely, I, I wanted to ask you, like, how how can we fix that? I know, <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh, from twenty thirty years ago, it was a little bit better than now. Mm. Now everything else, social media and everything around, is really blurring. Uh, everything else out of the way right people are being are distracted by things that is entertaining but is not good for them mm -hmm. do you have any opinions on how to fix this oh my <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's 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 a tall order um you know i i can i guess what i can say is um what what worked for me okay yeah. um i you know i i i'm you know, for me, uh, you know, I remember, I think the, the key is that, um, you know, once people decide what they want to do, for example, once I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, that there has to be kind of like a pursuing of it, um, you know, um, and 
which means that I, I kind of look for every opportunity that would expose me to more of science, you know, whether that was, you know, um, even as simple as, you know, being, um, I remember being in the eighth grade and uh, my favorite teacher my, uh, was in the eighth grade and, and he was from the, from the Caribbean. I remember that he, he saw that, you know, uh, two or three of us, you know, were, you know, very intelligent and, you know, a lot of people are intelligent, but, you know, we were really into, you know, the sciences and math mm -hmm. and so forth. And so he took upon himself after classes really to, um, to do a little bit like a class on algebra, wow. you know? Um, and, and what it did is that it kind of gave us a leg up. It exposed us to, okay, let, you know, yes, we're all studying this, but because you seem like you have an aptitude for this and you're interested, let me give you more. Let me challenge you. Let me expose you to more. And not only did we learn more, but it really put us in a, in a you know, gave us a leg up as mm -hmm. we, you know, looked, you know, to going into high school. And um, so I think one, I guess, is, is really having teachers who are role models and who also invest in the children. Um, so I think that's key. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I got to high school, um, you know, not only, you know, I talked about, you know, volunteering at the hospital to get some exposure there, um, but also there was a, a program um, for uh, minority kids of color who were interested in science and medicine. Um, and that, you know, I grew up in, in New York City. Um, and, you know, once I moved to, to, um, to the U.S., I, my mom had settled in New York City. So um, there they had a program, um, I think it was called the PrEP program, where um, they gathered kids, you know, you had to apply to it. And once you got in, every Saturday you went to Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, um, to the medical school, Columbia University. And there, you know, we did classes, science classes, and we're exposed to, you know, uh, I remember, you know, that might have been the first time we were dissecting like a sheep's brain or, wow. you know, um, you know, was it a, I can't remember, we did dissection. I can't remember what it is anymore because it's been a while, but <laughs> I know that it, it was very much, um, you know, it just really excited me because I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is mine. Yeah, you know, I really want to do this. And, and you really did. And, and they had the students there were actually, I believe they were like, um, medical students of color who volunteered their time to do it wow you know, so i think there has to be an investment um in kids so i think so first of all you know the yes there is the home where it is a prior you know where it prioritizes education the teachers are important they need to really invest in the kids and to really you know kind of encourage them in what they they, they show aptitude for and what they're interested in and, and and try and open up some doors that way. Um, and then, you know, really those of us, wherever we are, we need to kind of be able to reach back. You know, Definitely. even a medical student, you know, you're like, oh, you're just medical, but you know, you have power. You, there are some things that you can do that can make a difference to somebody else who's coming along behind you. Definitely, and I think people are ahead. So, I mean, so if anything, I, you know, I, you know, I saw that, you know, um, you know, the thing about, you know, you're not here just because you're smart and you're good looking and, you know, you got it all together, but you're here because 
some people have invested in you along the way. Um, yeah, you know, definitely. Standing on, on the shoulders of somebody else. No. Definitely. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think you touched you touched a, an amazing point about uh, the uh, the idea of pursuing whatever uh, pursuing an exposure after you are exposed, but also pushing toward that route and you understand a little bit. I feel like with uh, one thing about the younger generation is that they are being they are used to instant gratification. Oh. Uh, a, a, a with social media and everything, whatever they want is right there. Just pull it and, and get it. And many people focus on what what makes me happy now, what makes it what, what kind of career. So many people when they look at medicine, they, they sometimes they go shadowing and just uh, because they are working, they are work they, they do not like exactly what whoever they are shadowing is doing. They say, Oh, this is not for me. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. But they forget that behind all that work there's a purpose. You have the purpose of saving your life, of helping someone, uh just improving, reducing suffering in the world, right? I feel mm -hmm. like once you start realizing what's the purpose, right? And yeah. once you move from trying to build a career to building a legacy, it's easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think definitely, um, you know, it's, you know, one thing you said about, you know, I think we really, I think in medicine, at least for me, you know, it really is. I mean, I we always say this is kind of like we have to get used to deferred gratification because um, it's not easy. You know, yeah. you go through, um, you know, high school, you go through four years of college, you go through four years of medical school, you do residency, and depending on what it is that you're going to do, you know, for me, I chose internal medicine. That's three extra years. For others, if you do surgical surgery, that's five years. So it really is about, you know, the long the long-term view and not the mm -hmm. short term because if you really you know anything worth having it's, it's not you know, easy you have to put work into it it's not going to be easy i think Definitely. we you know get used to that and and also realize that sometimes you have to you know make some sacrifices along the way you and 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 i think the biggest thing in medicine the sacrifices is deferring certain gratifications right so you know, when I went to, um, to, to medical school, I remember, you know, my classmates that I, you know, I graduated from in, in college, I was like, oh my God, they're like, you know, working in industry and they're making a lot of money, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and you're like, I'm just, I'm still in school and I'm Definitely. not making money, I'm paying money. <laughs> Definitely, wow. You know, so, you know, it, it's really, or even as you go into residency, you're working, you know, sometimes a hundred hours a week and, you know, yeah, you know, when you figure out how much it is, it's not even that much, but there's a greater purpose to it. You know, you have an end game, you have a goal. And Definitely. so you really have to just keep that, that, you know, that in your viewpoint that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is, it's, you know, this is just a means to an end. You know, and it's not going to last forever. Definitely. I definitely think uh, the idea of having a why, a purpose, is that thing that's going to help you annihilate whatever wall that you come across as you're trying yeah. to pursue something that so many people doesn't do not because it's hard. It's hard, yeah. right? And if it's worth having, you definitely have to sacrifice something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking. Of, so you left, uh, you left Haiti with your grandmother at the age of eight and you come you came to new york 
how intimidating was New York uh, to you when you just came in? Because coming from Haiti to New York, those big buildings, I remember that coming from Guinea and New York, it was just intimidating. I felt like so small. How was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I was eight years old. So, you know, when you're, you're a little younger, you're like, wow, this is great. But, you know, I think I, I do remember, though, you know, I used to come up like on the summers to visit my mom. And so it wasn't mm -hmm. like a total culture shock because, you know, okay. I used to come up from probably the age of four to eight. I used to come up um, to visit my mom. So I kind of got a little picture of what it was like. Um, and so it wasn't as much a big culture shock. I mean, but granted, you know, but I didn't go to school there and mm -hmm. I didn't really live there, you know, full time. And so that was very different, um, you know, but, it, you know, it was also exciting, something new, you know, I mean, I, I remember missing a uh, home, you know, I, I did, I missed home. I remember, you know, we had a cat and a dog. And I was like, oh, I miss my pets, <laughs> you know, and we were living in yeah. an apartment and you couldn't have a pet, you know, so definitely you know, some, some little things. And, 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 you know, the other issue is that, you know, um, you know, when I came here, although I had, I was coming here, um, you know, in the summers, but I really didn't speak English that well. So that was wow. the big challenge when I first got here. Um, because, you know, you know, maybe now we've gotten better, but mm -hmm. during that time, um, when you have an accent, people did not take you seriously. You know, they definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. They looked at you like, oh, you must be stupid or dumb or something, or what do you mean? We don't understand you. And so I remember, um, you know, coming into the classroom, and uh, although I went to a, you know, a school where, you know, there were a lot of kids of color and they're Haitians, Hispanic, all kinds, but, uh, but you know, the biggest thing people really just kind of were like, we don't understand you, and I was like, I don't understand anything, and so. Uh, I remember I would just kind of say yes to everything they would say to me. <laughs> and then they finally figured out she doesn't know what's going on. And so um, they they assigned, a, there was another little little boy who was from Haiti and they said, okay, you're going to sit with her and you're going to help her out. And so that was, you know, beginning of third grade. By, by the end of the third grade, I was like, okay, I've got this, you know, and, and I started to do well, you know, and um, so, so that was really, you know, so that was a, cha a challenge. And, and I remember saying, I think I'm going to have to lose some of my accent because, you know, people think of you as whatever. But I think we've kind of progressed, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, in the world, really, where I think we've become more inclusive and, and more accepting, you know, uh, of people's differences, I think, than, yeah. than back then. Yeah, we have progress. We still have a long way to go. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all know that it's all in the news. <laughs> definitely, definitely. This podcast is about showcasing black professionals who are doing excellent things. But what is the definition of black excellence? Taking what you have and making the best of it. Can achieve things when literally like the whole entire system is designed like in ways that are like is designed to exclude us it doesn't matter what you start out with it matters where you go and then when you go you're not going just for you you're going to lead the way for someone else it means excelling at a high level while staying true to yourself and true to yourself and your black we still are able to 
you know, just like go the extra mile or, you know, carry the extra weight that we need to carry just because of society and still achieve the things that we're able to achieve. And paying it forward. That's my definition of black excellence. So you, you went to Brown University for your undergraduate and you, mm -hmm. got, you, got, you majored in biology. And after that, you went to medical school in Boston Medical School. Yeah. You also did your residency there. So throughout that journey uh, of, school, of schooling, did you, did, I'm sure you, you may have experienced some kind of imposter syndrome, right? I'm sure many of those schools are very, you are a minority in. Uh, how did you combat that? How did you uh, make yourself, you understand that I deserve to be here and uh, I'm, I deserve to walk in this hall with a head high and proud? It's a challenge, um, you know, uh, you know, going to Brown University, I, I had gone to a, um, uh, a parochial school um, really throughout my, my formative years. And, and so, and uh, I had graduated from an all girls parochial high school. So when I went there, I was like, oh my goodness, talk that, I thought that was more culture shock to me really. Yeah. Um, because you, you know, you had kids who, had gone to you know independent schools where they had used this textbook that you're using. You know, for me it was the first time that I'm using this textbook, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a lot of detail. <laughs> you know, wow. and they were like, oh yeah, we use this textbook in high school, and you know, and so so it was a different thing. So it was a challenge. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but you know, I think you just have to say, okay, you know. It was not a mistake that I got in. Um, you know, I am able to do this. Um, I deserve I to be here. Myself. I'm sorry? No, I deserve to be here, definitely. I deserve to be here, but you know, but it yeah. does, it, it's challenging. I'm not gonna say that was easy, um, you know, but once you start to get into it and then you, if you need help, then you learn about resources, you know, to help you, whether that's, okay, I'm gonna get a tutor or I'm gonna, figure out how to do this, meet with a professor, whatever it is, you know? So I think really, again, we have to be tenacious, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, and Definitely. to know that, you know, a lot of people could have been, could be where you are, but you are here, okay? It wasn't, they didn't do yeah. you a favor. You're here because you're supposed to be here and that you, you deserve to be here, you, you know, you qualify. Um, so Definitely. that was, you know, and then even, so I went to, to Boston University School of Medicine. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, it was a good experience. It's funny because, you know, medical school, I mean, medical school is, is difficult, but I think what, what helped me along the way in terms of the, the whole imposter syndrome, I think was having friends, you know, I think it's important mm -hmm. to have a community. It doesn't have to be the community is that it's you know your parents or your family unit but a community of friends even that helps to support you and to make you feel yes we're in this together yes we can do this you know yeah, and yeah. i think that's the biggest thing that i had um you know in medical school as well you know in addition to you know my family and so forth um, yeah. um but but I think that imposter syndrome is something that follows us throughout, you know, even in 
you know, as attending, you have to kind of say, okay, um, you know, I'm not going to worry about this and I may not look like the people around me, but I deserve to be at the table and I will wow. give my best. Um, yeah. I will do my best. Um, during your first year, during your first year, uh, you, you, for you specifically, you had challenge. you had some challenges, personal challenges where uh, the person that you that really was a role model to you and who really motivated you to go into medicine. Uh, she passed away during that time. How did that impact you? How, how, how did that, uh, you were in medical school uh, first year. How did that impact you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, that was my grandmother. And, and so she passed away kind of like in the middle of my first year of medical school. Um, and, you know, I remember, I was going through exams when, when this happened. I remember my brother, um, they kind of delayed telling me like a couple of days because he knew that I was going through exams. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? He's like, no, 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 we knew you were in the middle of your exams. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, it, it was hard, but it, you know, I, I remember, um, well, let's see, was it the first year? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I think when she passed, it was, no, it was the, I have to remember when it was because you know things are when when I when I um when my grandmother died. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was my last year of medical okay. school. Actually, I stand corrected. Wow. My daughter is like, Mom, <laughs> it was my last year of medical school. So she had seen me go through that, and you know, and at the time, um, it wow. was my exams definitely. But I remember. Uh, you know, I, by that point, I was engaged to be married. So my, my husband and I, we had met in, in college. And um, wow. and I remember that January, we, I went home for Christmas. And and um, I and I said to my grandmother, oh, grandma, I'm really looking forward to you coming to my graduation and, you know, to my and wedding. wedding. Yeah. Wow. And like, and I remember saying, I'm not going to make it. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not, you know, and she was like, no, I don't think I'll make it and I never quite understood it so you know wow. you know so it, it was it was bittersweet but you know mm. I knew that she was there in spirit and I knew that she was proud of me um and Definitely. and I know that you know she knew that okay you know you're on the road it was just a matter of time um, definitely so, she was blessing you she was blessing you yeah yeah most definitely most definitely so, you know. wow wow that wow so after after you got after you finished your residency in boston medical school and you became a physician uh you talked about earlier like earning a place uh, among your colleagues uh, like making sure that you find the making sure that they know that you deserve to be in, on that table but how hard for you as a black woman to to be able to to take to to walk in these rooms and make sure that you feel comfortable in these rooms and adapt to the kind of culture that were then I'm sure uh it wasn't it wasn't a very good culture then, but how hard was it to navigate that culture and find a place yeah yeah i um you know i in in residency you know as you know it it's a very very difficult. Um, probably, I would say that was more difficult for me even because, 
you know, you, you know, you were sleep deprived and, you know, very tired a lot. Um, and, you know, you, you really, you know, were, you know, by that point, it was even more so that, you know, you were felt like more of a minority, right. Uh, in terms of numbers. Um, and, you know, you, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're rounding, you have to kind of, you know, get a hold of yourself and say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to prepare. I know that I'm rounding and I'm a intern, whatever it is, and, and I'm going to prepare so that when I get asked the questions, I'll be able to answer them and, and not to feel intimidated because, you know, oftentimes people have a way of, of um, I guess the kids call it flexing, you know, they try and make, make you think that they know everything, you know, and yeah. you know nothing. Um, and that's not true. Um, and I think it's just really being preparing and being confident in who you are and what you know and, and just saying it um, and Definitely. not being intimidated by it. Um, you know, I, I remember, the, you know, but even from the staff in the hospitals where, you know, people would always mistake me for, you know, the secretary. Are you the secretary? Or you know, they will come and ask me about stuff you know, which a secretary would know. And I'm like, I'm wearing scrubs in the white coat and I have a stethoscope around my neck. I don't think yeah. I'm the secretary. Um, and, I, and I remember one story I always tell is, uh, you know, as an intern, I, I was uh, rounding. What's rounding is when you, um, you know, you, you, you go around from room to room as a yeah. team and, you know, you discuss the patient, but you also have to do what's called pre-rounding as an intern where you go ahead of the team, you know, a couple yeah. hours before that and you get all the vitals of the patients and you find out how they're doing so that you can present to the team. And so I was Definitely. doing my pre-rounds and, you know, in the morning and I walked into a, a patient's um, room and again, I had on my scrubs, I had on my white coat, I had on my stethoscope. Um, and, you know, before I could say anything, she was like, oh, are you the TV lady? Uh, and she was trying to give me $2. And I was like, and, and I've got to educate what TV lady was. And, and at that time, um, for the patient to get their television turned on, there was a TV lady, literally somebody to, who in, yeah. room wow. to collect the money and to turn the TV on. And I looked at her wow. and I was like, oh, no, ma'am, I am not the TV lady. I am your doctor. Uh, wow. you <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, you really... You know, you can't let that get to you. You know, I Definitely. think like, you know, you just have to say, okay, um, she is not used to seeing people of color in positions of authority. Um, so it's almost like, you know, you're educated. It's an opportunity to teach. It's an it opportunity it's to an teach. Definitely. It is. You have to see it as that. Um, so, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So as we are winding down uh, time right now, I want to ask you one last question. So you right now you have... Uh, a, a daughter who's trying to follow your footsteps. Yeah. Uh, she she took her MCAT and she's about to go through the same thing you did. Uh, what are the biggest advice, one thing that you wish you had known, uh, you would like her to know now? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, what I have told my daughter, you know, and actually my, my husband, is also a physician. So what we tell her wow. is that, you know, really, um, first of all, you need to do, you have to do what you feel called to do. All right. Um, what we never said, oh, you got to go into medicine because we're in medicine. 
um, he said, you know, find out what it is that you're supposed to do. What is your passion? What do you feel that's the thing that's that you're supposed to do? And when you decide that, go for it. You know, so, you know, so, so the first thing would be, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, you have to know this is something that you're supposed to do. That medicine is the thing for you. You can't do it for your mother, your father, or anybody else, um, because you really are the one who has to walk that walk. Um, yes, ma'am. So that's the first thing. And then the next thing is to really, you know, just do your best, you know, do your best, um, um, you know, study hard and, and just do your best and, and, and the rest will fall into place and, you know, and really, you know, having perspective and, and, and prioritizing, you know, knowing that, um, you know, just realizing, I think that it is, you're there for the long haul. Um, and even when things don't go the way you wanted to, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to do that. Definitely. It's just a challenge. You know, it's, it's a temporary setback. Sometimes setbacks, are, you know, everybody gets setbacks in life, you know, but when you know that you're doing what you're supposed to do, you will deal with the setbacks and you will Definitely. keep moving. You will learn from it and you will keep moving. I made the black queen's grace continually mesmerize the millions who couldn't see it when looking into her eyes. And the black man's plight no longer be the disguise. Oppression, emasculation, they want to castracize it. I just want to be me. I just want to be free. I just want liberty, equity, and democracy. I just want to believe in the good of society. I just want to believe that they ain't been lying to me. I want equality. Want no more poverty. I want people to tell you it's more black people in jail for committing crimes. The blacks and whites are committing equally. I want the corporate interest to crumble before on my feet. I want them to stop selling your rights to powers that be. I want a third term for Obama we'll never see. No Democrat, no Republican, me, I want unity. I want the righteous voice speaking to my community. Don't listen to what they say and look at what they say to see. I want you to know the truth, but for that you will have to see. All people are beautiful, but you best know my people are beautiful.